Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Judges, chapter 6. I want to talk to you today about living in the supernatural, and specifically living in the supernatural with purpose, with purpose. We're going to magnify that subject today and, and maybe in the next week, maybe two, who knows. But while you're turning over to Judges 6, this kindergarten class had settled down to its coloring books and little uh, Junior came up to the teacher and said, uh, Miss Francis, I ain't got no crayons. And Mrs. Francis said, now Junior, you mean I don't have any crayons. You don't have any crayons. We don't have any crayons. Do you understand what I'm getting at, Junior? Not really, he said. Uh, what happened to all them crayons? That's all. That's all I got. All right. <laughs> Judges chapter 6. This man by the name of Gideon is being called by God to do something great for God. And I believe that God has something for all of us here today. He has a great thing for all of us to do in the earth. God has called you to do something great because our God is big enough to give all of us a share in his greatness. And in Judges chapter 6, we're going to pick up in this story in verse 7, all right? Now, as I've said before, you read the book of Judges, it's one of the most frustrating books you'll ever read in, in any, out of any books in the Bible. It's so frustrating because it's the children of Israel being delivered from captivity, brought back into captivity, being delivered from captivity, brought back into captivity. The phrase, the children of Israel did evil on the side of the Lord. Uh, you see that phrase throughout the entire book, uh, something like seven or eight times where it says it, and then they were brought into captivity. So this is one of those times where now they have been in captivity to the Midianites, and now they're crying out to God. But listen to this, what God first uh, says to them in verse 7, it says, And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites, that the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel who said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage. And I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you, oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. Also, I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. God brought them out of Egypt, and now he's bringing them to the land of Canaan through the wilderness, but first he brought them out of that bondage of Egypt. In Exodus chapter 3, we're going to walk through some scriptures this morning on this thought of living in the supernatural, so be ready to turn pages or click books in your, on your phone or iPad or whatever, or you can simply refer to the screen. But uh, this is a little bit different from the way I normally present the scriptures to you. Nevertheless, it's where we are. Exodus 3.19, but I am sure, now this is God speaking to the children of Israel about their situation being in Egypt, but I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go, no, not even by a mighty hand. Now, if you read the Amplified Version, it says, unless he is forced to do so, all right? He's not going to let you go unless he's forced to do so. Remember that. And Psalm chapter 66, now let's go over there in verse 3. Uh, David says, <clears throat> Psalm chapter 66, verse 3, how awesome, say to God, how awesome are your works. Won't you just say that to God right now? Amen. 
Through the greatness of your power, your enemies shall submit themselves to you. Through the greatness of what? How are the enemies going to submit? Through the greatness of his power, through his power. So Satan is going to only submit to power. He is, uh, you're not fighting an intellectual devil, all right? So, I mean, you can get all the education in the world, and I do recommend that you do get educated, but you're not going to outwit the devil through your education. You're not going to conquer him through education. That's going to happen through power. You need power. So where do you get that power? Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10 begins by saying, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, the power of his might, for or put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So he teaches us that the power of his might is the whole armor of God. And in, so in, and in that, you are able to stand against the wiles or the schemes and the plans of the devil. Verse 12 says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Just to remind you today, your brothers and sisters, your wives, your kids, your, your co-workers, they are not your enemies. They are not the ones who you're fighting, all right? We do not wrestle with flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So he teaches us about all these demon ranks and, and, and all the power of, of hell, but it has no power over you. Because when you are strong in the Lord and the power of his might, none of those things can touch you. Now, they can hinder you, but they can't stop you. Can I get a good amen? I said they can hinder you, but they cannot stop you. And God is telling the children of Israel they're in Exodus. He's saying you couldn't get out of there if you wanted to. You're going to need my power to be able to get this done. Okay, so that's why I'm saying we must have the supernatural work in our lives. Now, if you would, go to the book of Joshua as we might cover about three-fourths of the entire Bible this morning. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 3 says, Every place, God is speaking to Joshua, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. Verse 4, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and of the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you. No man. That is no army or no system. Nothing shall be able to stand before you. Uh, 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 where are we? <laughs> All the days of your life. And as, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. I want to remind you today, your God will not leave you and he will not forsake you. As a matter of fact, that's what the scripture says. That's what gives us boldness to say something. Hebrews chapter 13 teaches us that, that he will never leave. He has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Amen. There's nothing. So no man shall be able to stand before you. In other words, there is nothing that can stop you from reaching your destiny but you. God told Joshua, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. So how was it that God was with Moses? Lord, I need to know how you're with Moses so I know how you'll be with me. Because I'm going up against an enemy that I cannot defeat by myself. So now God has taken to a place where the supernatural now is not an option. It is a requirement. 
God has taken you to a place in your life as a believer, as one who is a child of God, bought with the blood of Jesus, brought out of darkness and into his marvelous light, made a whole new creation in Christ. There, God, the supernatural in your life is not an option. It is a requirement. Because not only do you need to see it for yourself, but my family, there's a world that needs to see his power demonstrated in the earth. The great T.L. Osborne said we, we owe it not only to the world to preach the gospel, but we also owe it to demonstrate this gospel. And Jesus said, those who believe this gospel, signs are going to follow them. Signs and wonders and miracles. Mighty things. Nothing will harm you. You will speak in new tongues. You'll heal the sick. You'll raise the dead. You'll cast out devils. That's the power we're talking about. So God has taken to this place. It's now required. Many times people are, are looking for a church, and unfortunately, where, where they don't, they're not, they like the the, the message that teaches them it's not really on them to use their faith. It's, it's really on God's divine sovereign plan, and they're just basically pawns in, the, in God's cosmic chess game. <laughs> yeah, not really. And we're all called to use the faith that God has given to us. As he has dealt to each and every one of us, he, he expects us to exercise that faith. How do you exercise your faith? You open your mouth and declare what God has said. You believe with your heart and you confess with your mouth. Amen. That's how you exercise your faith in God. That's how you become strengthened in faith. You hear the word and that's how faith comes to you. And you release your faith by opening your mouth and declaring his word in the earth. Amen. So uh, we all have a responsibility to it. And, it, and, and it, uh, we, the just shall live, the scripture says, by faith. For we walk by faith and not by sight. So how was it that God was with Moses? Now we're going to see from Exodus exactly how God was with Moses. As he's speaking to him in verse 20 of Exodus 23, he says, behold, I send an angel before you. Now that's supernatural, isn't it? That's supernatural. He said, I'm sending an angel before you. In other words, I'm going to have my power with you through this angel. So now we can't see angels normally, can we? Can't see angels. Not on a normal basis. Matter of fact, there's angels all in this room because you're here. They're here. Now, I'm, I'm not talking about you sitting next to your wife and saying, oh, you're my angel. No, no, no. I'm talking about heavenly beings, all right? Angels that are on our servants here brought for you. Now, your wife may certainly well be an angel. But angels are, are here, and we can't see them, but we know they're here because God's people are here, and they are here wait, uh, waiting on our command. It's a, it's a marvelous thought. So uh, you're going to have to believe that you have something with you that you can't see. You have something with you that you cannot see. He says, behold, I'm going to send my angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. Verse 21, beware of him and obey his voice and do not provoke him for he will not pardon your transgressions for his name, my name is in him. But if you indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. Oh, that's good to know. See, Moses didn't have the reality that you and I have today. Here he said he wouldn't pardon transgressions, but all your transgressions have been pardoned in Christ Jesus. Glory to God. He holds none of those things against you. That, that's the marvelous grace of our God, that God was in Christ, reconciled the whole world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. And it's committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. What a glorious, glorious thing that is. And now the scripture says, and if God be for us, who can be against us? And he is for us, and God is on your side. 
which means your enemies are his enemies and your adversaries are his adversaries. For my angel, verse 23, for my angel will go before you and bring you into the uh, Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I will cut them off. What's he going to do to them? He says, I'm going to cut them off. Where God is leading you today, where God is leading you in this season of your life, the supernatural is not an option. It is a requirement. If you're going to go to that next thing in God, if you're going to go deeper in Him, if you're going to go higher in Him, you're going to have to have supernatural intervention. And when you choose to walk by faith and believe what God has promised you, then your enemy has no chance to stop you. But children of Israel, even though hearing that God had promised this to them, and even knowing that he told them, he warned them about the resistance that was to come. He warned them about the giants that would be in the land, but he told them, I've already given it to you. All you got to do is go take possession of what I have already given you. All right? All you have to do is take possession. But what they got their eyes on was the lack that they had before them. They were in the wilderness, and in that wilderness experience, on their way to the promise where God was, was willingly and mercifully supplying their needs. Yet they still complained. They complained against God. They complained against the leadership that, that God had appointed over them. They complained against one another. They fought with one another. All kinds of bickering. And, and, and that was leading them down a path that was not going to get them into the promised land. Ultimately, so much so where they focused on their present circumstances and not on the promise that when they finally did get to the breach, or when they could see, they could look over and see the promised land, Moses sent 12 spies in to go look and see what this land had in it. And sure enough, they came back and said, truly the land flows with milk and honey. And yeah, look at these, this is the fruit of the land. But there are giants there. And the giants are so tall that we look like grasshoppers in their sight and also in ours. And there, it's, a, it's, a, it's a country, it's a, a land that devours its inhabitants. I mean, just started exaggerating. Now, 10 of them were saying this, but two of them were saying something else. Ten of them were saying there's no way that we can do this. What God has promised us is too hard to take. But Joshua and Caleb said they quieted the people and said, listen, don't listen to that. We are well able. Let us go up right now. Let's go up at once. We can do this. God has promised us. We're not bred to the enemy. They're bred to us. We've got this. Why? Because God has made us a promise. We can see it because he has declared it to us. But the scripture says that they did not believe Joshua and Caleb. Instead, they believed the evil report, called what the ten other spies said, evil. What made it different? What made it different between the ten and the two? What was the difference? Because they all went in there and they all saw the same thing. It wasn't the fact that some saw good and some saw bad. They all saw the same thing, the good, the bad, and the ugly. It wasn't really about what they saw. It was about what they said they saw. It was about what was coming out of their mouth. It was the report that they were bringing. The people believed the evil report instead of God's promise. So guess what? They didn't get to go get what God had promised them. Listen to me. God has promised things to you in his scriptures. God has promised things to you personally in your life, maybe through a prophetic utterance, or maybe he's just spoken to you personally. Listen, it's not automatic just because he's promised it. It becomes real to you when you believe it. And when you confess it over your own life, when you get his report in your mouth. Amen. That's why Isaiah cried out, Lord, who has believed our report? Now, let's go back to Judges 6 and chapter, uh, verse 10. Judges chapter 6, 
in verse 10. Also, I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. Now, the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizrite, uh, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord, and I want you to understand that Gideon wasn't hiding. He was hiding the supply from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. What a great statement that is, huh? The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Have you ever prayed that prayer before? Huh? Lord, if, if, if you're really with us, why is all this happening to us? Hmm? Some of you might be in that place right now in your life. Why is this happening? Why is this happening? You're for me. Come on, God. Look what he says. Why is all this happening to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, do Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, now watch this. What has he just said? What has Gideon just said to the Lord? You've forsaken us. Where are the miracles? Why is this happening to us? Look what God says to him. Go in this might of yours. Did that sound like a mighty prayer to you from from Gideon to God? Go in this might of yours, Gideon. I like it. Why is this all this happening? You've forsaken us. Yeah, go in this might of yours. No, no, no. Not all of that was mighty what he said, but there was something in there, I believe. Now, this is my personal opinion, but I think I have good opinion on it because I studied it. (laughs) But he said this right in the middle of, what ha- why is this happening to us? And the Lord has forsaken us. Something he says was, where are the miracles? Now listen to me. That means Gideon's looking for them. And God can use someone who's looking for miracles, who's asking the question, where are the miracles? Where is the supernatural intervention in my situation? Where is it? And God says, go in this might of yours. Is that the, if that's what you're looking for, that's exactly what you're going to find. I'm going to show, my, show myself strong on your behalf because you're looking for it. Where are the miracles? Then the Lord turned to him, go in this mighty yours and you shall save Israel. You shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, oh my Lord. Come on, now we can all relate to this. I love Gideon's story because I find Eric Holler here. God just encouraged him. Help turn, turn, turn his thinking around. Listen, you want miracles? You're about to see them, buddy. You're going to be responsible for saving this nation. And then, and then he goes, gets busy trying to disqualify himself from doing it. Uh, Lord, uh, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And see, what's, what he doesn't understand this moment is the more he says things like that, the more he's qualifying himself. Because last I checked, it's not the strong that he calls, it's the weak that he calls. It's, the, it's not the mighty, it's not the noble, it's the fools. And if I've ever been tempted to get haughty with my call, bless God, I'm called of God. Oh yeah, I forgot. I wasn't called because I was so great, I was called because I was so weak. I was called because I was a fool. 
so that he always gets the glory. And the more Gideon's talking, the Lord's going, that's right, that's right. Yes, man, am I ever going to use you, you little weakling? Well, I'm going to show myself strong on your behalf. Keep telling me how you can't do it. You're going to find out just how you can. Because what he needs to understand, and I want to remind all of you that whoever the Lord calls, these are those that God appoints. And whoever God appoints, these are those who God anoints. Hallelujah. And when you got the anointing of the Holy Ghost flowing in your life, hallelujah, you got the power of God resident in you. You've got demonstration of that power in the earth. And there's nothing that can stop you. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. In other words, there was nothing that the devil could do. Jesus went about doing good, and he was unraveling the works of the devil. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. Because the, the anointing of, the, of God was upon him to do it. The Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. I love that phrase, as one man. Thinking about that phrase, one man, as one man. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 17 for a moment. We're going to see one man being used mightily by God. David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Watch this. This day. This day. Come on, say this day. This day. David said, I'm not talking about next Sunday. I'm not talking about next week, next month. I'm saying this day. This day, in this moment right here, it's over for you, buddy. The Lord will deliver you into my hand. When's he going to do it? Come on, when's he going to do it? This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day, I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. This day, your head's coming off. Tomorrow is another day. I'll be used in supernatural means tomorrow, but this day, your head's gone. This day, we're going to win. This day, your carcasses are going to feed the birds of the earth. This day, you've messed with this group for the last time. This day, you've messed with my family the last time. This day, you've meddled in my marriage for the last time. This day, you've brought lack to me the last day. This day you've robbed from me, and that's, this day, that's over in Jesus' name. This day you've messed with my health for the last time. Hmm? Romans chapter 3, verse 27, where is boasting then? David wasn't standing here boasting. He was, I mean, the only thing he'd be boasting was God. David was being bold. The giant was boasting with his sword, his javelin, and his spear, and his height, and his, and his shield, and his armor. And boasting is just confidence in self and stuff, but boldness is confidence in God. And he says, where is boasting then? It is excluded by what law? Of works? No, but by the law of faith. You see, to the religious person, someone who declares things by faith sounds like they're boasting. <laughs> to those who don't understand it. But it's actual humility. It's the epitome of humility to say what God has said, despite what I think or feel about it. David said, some trust in chariots. He's talking about warfare, some in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. I know the Lord saves his anointed. Amen. 
By what law? The law of faith. The law of faith. Whatever God is going to deliver into your hands, and hear me, whatever God is going to deliver into your hands must first be believed in your heart and declared with your mouth. The people of God need to be bold in faith today like never before. And the reason is, you know, sometimes just through bad experiences, you know, uh, believers, I think, sometimes are, are afraid to take God out into public, you know, and to declare things that God has said because what if it doesn't work? What if it doesn't, you know, I, and so might be afraid to do that, feel like it's way too risky to do that. Let me, let me just help you today. I'm just give you a little secret, I think, that might help some of you. That you were never designed to go where you can't see. You were never designed to go where you can't see. In other words, God's going to show you before you get there. He's going to give you a picture. He's going to give you a vision. He's going to give you a word to hold on to so that you can know where you're going. He's not going to lead you through darkness. Amen. His word is a lamp unto your feet. His word is a light unto your path. How is it that Abraham was able to go through with sacrificing his, his own son? How was it that he was able to do that? I mean, I've tried to put myself in his shoes as a dad and think, God says, take now your son, your only son, and offer him up as a burnt sacrifice upon whatever mountain I tell you. How does Abraham go through with that? And if, if we're not careful, we might mistake Abraham's process in getting there. Probably, you know, if we were to watch the movies, they would probably have Abraham crying on his way up the mountain. Oh, I don't want to do this, God. I don't want to kill him. No, I don't think, I don't think it was like that at all. Because the scripture says that Abraham got up early the next morning. He was ready to rock and roll. He saddled his donkey. He got the wood for the fire. He got all the, the things that were necessary for his sacrifice ready, and they went. And as soon as they saw the mountain from afar off, Abraham turns to his servants and says, you stay here. The boy and I are going to go yonder and worship, and we will return to you. And so he heads to that mountain with Isaac. He puts the wood on his son's back, and they march up that hill, Isaac being the picture of Jesus carrying his cross up that hill for, to sacrifice for us, his own life. And there they made it up that hill, and they get up there, and Abraham is walking through this thing, and he lays his son down on the altar, he binds him, and the, the scripture says he took his knife up, and he raised it to slay his own son. And that's when the angel of the Lord spoke out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he says, do not lay your hand on the boy. Don't bring any harm to him. Now I know that you'll keep nothing from me. It's an amazing story. Something, Abraham had to have seen something because God didn't give him any word right there on that mountain. When he told him the instructions on that mountain, he said, go offer him up as a burnt offering. That's the only word he had for that moment right there. But my family, he had had a previous word from God. And so Abraham started putting things together. Wait, wait, wait. God said, in Isaac, my seed will be blessed so shall my descendants be, that God would multiply my descendants in the earth. So if I'm going to sacrifice him as a burnt offering on this mountain and my son's going to end up a pile of ashes, I can't worry about that. All I have to do is obey him, believe what God has said, because I know he said in Isaac. So it has to be in Isaac. That, oh, then that means God's going to raise him from the dead. That, that's the only rational conclusion to this. God's going to raise him from the dead. That's why Abraham could go through with this knowing he, he trusted God 
with his whole heart. He knew that God was good. He knew that God's promise was, was true because he as a hundred-year-old man was able to have a baby. And his wife at 90 was able to have a baby. So he knew that God could be trusted. He knew that God, what, what God said was true. So he said, okay. And Hebrews later on tells us exactly what Abraham saw in verse 19. Look at this, verse, uh, Hebrews 11, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. So Abraham had already gone through this whole thing already in his heart and in his mind. He saw it before he got there. He saw Isaac both dead and he saw him raised from the dead. So God wasn't leading him blindly. He had given him something to see. Abraham had seen the future. You only take risks when you haven't seen it. You're only taking a risk when you don't know what's going to happen. My family, your God is going to lead you in the right direction. One last scripture. John 16, you were never meant to go where you cannot see. Watch this. Verse 13, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into how much truth? All truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. Whatever he hears, he will speak. Now watch, and he will tell you what? He will tell you what? So there's nothing in the future going to be surprising you. He's going to tell you things that are coming so that you will begin to declare that. Get it in your heart and believe it and say it with your mouth. He's going to tell you things to come. He will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Verse 15, all things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. What an amazing thought, huh? See, truth is the highest level of reality. It's the highest level of, and he is the spirit of truth, and he will guide you into all truth. So where is truth? Where is truth coming from? Truth is coming from heaven itself. That's why Jesus said we need to pray on earth that it would be as it is in heaven, because heaven is where the truth stands forever. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. So we need to get what's true here in our earth, right now, in our moments in life, in our situations, in our circumstances. In heaven, it's not written that you are poor. In heaven, it's written that you are rich. So that's why the scripture tells us, let the poor say, I am rich. In heaven, it's not written that you're weak. In heaven, it's written that you are strong. So let the weak say, I am strong. In heaven, it says, by his stripes, you are healed. So let the sick say, I am healed. Let the, those that are in pain say, I am healed. Let those suffering from disease say, I am healed. You have to say what heaven says because that is the truth. And the word of God has all the power to overcome the circumstantial facts that you're facing here on this earth right now. The supernatural is not an option. The supernatural is a requirement. I want us to bow our heads for just a moment here today. And some of you are in a situation in your life where you need supernatural intervention right now. Right now. And I want, between me and you and God, I want you to just raise your hand here for the moment and say, I need that. I need supernatural intervention in my life. I need the truth to set me free. I need the truth to come into my life and change my situation. 
you here today. Father, thank you for these who have their hands up. Lord, I thank you now. Lord, you see their situation, and you are the God who is on their side. And I'm praying, God, that you show yourself strong on their behalf. Release your power to them and through them in the name of Jesus, God. We need it, Lord. Lord, we cry out as Gideon did, where are the miracles? We need your supernatural intervention. We're looking for them, God. We, Lord, we're saying use us, Lord. Show us so that we can show others, God, that others may look into our life and see a God who is alive, a God who loves, a God who is powerful and able to change our situation. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that you are our healer. You are our supplier. You are our restorer. You are our deliverer. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. You are our heavenly Father who loves us. And you've given us your spirit, not the spirit of a bondage again to fear, but you've given us the spirit by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And we thank you, Lord, that we have all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Thank you now, Father, for your supply. Thank you now for your strength. Thank you now for your healing. Thank you now for your help in the name of Jesus. Lord, it will be like our father Abraham who was fully convinced that he who promised is able to perform what he promised. So today we glorify you. Come on, just lift your voice and glorify him right now. Thank him for the provision. Thank him for the breakthrough. Thank him for his help right now. Thank him for restoring. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for it. Lord, we're just crying out by faith. Lord, we will see. We see by faith what you have for us. We're not looking to our external circumstances. We're not looking by what we can just see with our natural eyes. No, we walk by faith. We call those things that be not as though they were. Hallelujah. We thank you now, Father God, for the miracles. Thank you now, Lord, for your help. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We expect it. We expect your promises to be manifested in our lives, Lord. We expect to live in the realities of your promises, God. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And we bless you. And we will continue in the days to come to lift our hands and to worship you and to lift our voice and to say thank you and to not be persuaded just because things haven't immediately changed or even gotten worse. No, we're going to continue to praise our God because your, your word says it's our praise that silences the enemy and the avenger. Thank you, Lord. We continue to say thank you because we walk by faith and not by sight. And we know God is on our side and you're able to make all things work together for good to those who love you, to those who are the called according to your purpose in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, for the greatest miracle of all, that Christ died for our sins and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day. And whoever believes on him will receive everlasting life. Thank you for that. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.